All right, everybody, welcome back to the F14 TomCast and get ready for another fantastic episode. Today, we are going to have an awesome conversation. We're talking about the F14 TomCat Air Show Demo Team. So today, we're talking with a pilot and Rio team that showed off the TomCat's maneuverability to millions of fans at air shows around the country. And I'm sure you're going to really enjoy some of these stories that they have for you today. Hey, and something interesting about this episode, as you'll see in just a moment, Crunch did this one solo. You think he's got the energy for it? I do. Okay, <laughs> due to some scheduling challenges, I wasn't able when the available when the guests were available, so he hosted himself. Can't wait to see how he did, but also stick around because later in the show, we have some announcements you won't want to miss. On the flight deck, crews are now manning for the next launch. Time to clear the flight deck and catwalks. Stand well clear of all jet blasts, prop arcs, and exhaust. Time to start up the go aircraft. Let's start them up. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the F-14 TomCast. We have an amazing show lined up for today. Today, we're joined by two TomCat demo pilot team guys, whatever you want to call us. So we've got John Sakamano, call sign Shorn, and Brian Rivera, call sign Punch. They're joining us today to talk all about the F-14 TomCat demo team as they flew it back in the day. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Crunch. Hey, thank you, Crunch. Ow, awesome. Well, hey, guys. So what we like to do is we typically like to give everybody a little bit of background to just where you're from and how you got involved, how you got into Tomcats, and basically a three-minute thumbnail arc of your career. So stand up and tell us about yourself. Sean, why don't you get started? Where are okay. you from? Uh, I grew up actually born in Buffalo, still a diehard Bills fan, and they're finally good again. And then, yeah. Uh... <laughs> I didn't know that. Dude, I, yeah. I, uh, I lived in North Tonawanda for like uh, 12 years. Hey, I was born in Kenmore Mercy Hospital right there in Tonawanda. Hey, uh, all right. Yeah, so I ended up um, growing up the rest of my life here in Northern Virginia, Fairfax County, just outside of D.C. Decided to put in for ROTC scholarship, went to Georgia Tech and uh, had no idea what I wanted to do. And after doing one of those patrols during your summer, I went on a uh, um, uh, fast, actually, sorry, one of the deterrent patrol uh, pin, like actual uh, SSBN patrols. And man... After nine weeks straight underwater, I decided I wanted to be a pilot. So uh, <laughs> off to flight school, never having flown in my life. And uh, I was just there to make it through. And after primary and intermediate, um, I ended up, uh, finished up primary, actually hoping for P3s or E6s. Jets was wow. my third choice. Because um, you wanted to be an airline pilot. Everybody said go well, P3s. So I, <laughs> I just wanted to make it through flight school at that point. Um, but, uh, Jets was my third choice because seeing all these guys that have wanted to fly Hornets and Tomcats for their entire lives and their parents owned pitses and think, you know, uh, Stearmans and things like that. I had zero flight time. So I thought, man, there's no way I'd finish Jets. Uh, but there I was, uh, finished up and, um, Jody Richardson, I don't know if you know, Jeffro Richardson, former F-14 pilot was my XO at VT7. And he inspired me after, uh, uh, 1v1 solo ACM flights against him. Uh, he inspired me to put F-14Ds down and I uh, was the last guy to get the specific F-14D assignment out of flight school. And then they went in to bring in the pool into the F-14 rag and then they decided who got Ds. So I was very fortunate and uh, ended up in super class. Uh, I know most of you guys have heard of those guys in the rag. They combined two classes when the F-14 uh, 
they, I guess they transitioned VF213 to Ds and they stopped us and made one big combined class. And I kind of blended in there and ended up in VF213 back at the RAG after uh, three years there. And Ponch and I were fortunate enough to be selected. We volunteered to do the demo and Slammer Richardson, I believe, was who selected us, Ponch, if I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken. Yep. Uh, after that, I uh, did that with Ponch for a year. It was awesome. I flew Disco a couple of times. I actually flew with Roll Kaiser once, which mm -hmm. was probably the worst demo of my life, but uh, ended up paying off dividends later, and I made the Blue Angels. I, I honestly believe I made the Blue Angels because of that awful demo. Um, that was, uh, yeah, okay. that was a mistake. Bookmark that. We're coming back to that story. Yeah, bookmark that one. It's a humbling story, but uh, ended up going to the Blue Angels and uh, was number two there for two years. After that tour, I went to VFA 41 in Lemoore, California and flew Super Hornets for a couple of years. Decided to transition into the reserves, got hired by Continental and furloughed subsequently and uh, ended up flying for the FBI for six and a half years before I came back. Uh, went to Under Armour for two and flew um, their, their uh, corporate jets. And then I came back to the merge company with United and I'm still in the reserves plugging away here. I'm a... Uh, uh, nominated for to put a star on. We'll see if the Senate actually confirms me, and um, and then uh, still chugging away for at least three more years. I hope in the reserves. And well, congratulations. Freedom. Maybe we should uh, see if we can hold the publication of this episode until after the Senate confirmation. Is it, should, would that, that be? <laughs> that might be smart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ponch, how about you, sir? Wow, my gosh! Uh, Thirty-six years ago today, the, a movie came out called uh, what was it called? Um, Gun? Iron Eagle. Yes. Iron Eagle. That's right. Yeah. So I was, I was living in Colorado, surrounded by Zoomies, saw the movie, and I wanted to be a truck driver. So, I mean, I, that's, that was my path. That's where I was going, right? Uh, you know, short story long, ended up uh, dating a girl who was in the Navy, went out to San Diego, met some of her friends that were helicopter pilots, and I realized, wow, these guys aren't that bright. So maybe I can fit in. Uh, so I applied to get into uh, officer candidate school and... Uh, uh, I got into OCS, uh, got selected to, to fly F-14s, graduated first in my class, which was pretty cool, considering I'm a knucklehead uh, and a knuckle dragger. Uh, ended up with uh, meeting Shorn up in uh, VF-101. I was a class behind him. They were a super class. And then uh, I ended up in VF-2. So I went to the Bounty Hunters for two combat cruises. Um, and right then, after your first tour, it's kind of interesting because there's a lot of push to get you to go to the weapons school, to go be an instructor. And I think a lot of us had that opportunity and it, it's, you know, what was the calculus going on in my head at that time was Fallon, Nevada is not Miramar. Fallon, Nevada, not a lot of single women. I'm single. I think I'm going to Virginia Beach. Why? There's an F-14 out there with my name on it. Hopefully, maybe I can make the demo team. Uh, that'd be pretty cool. And I'll rush the Blue Angels while I'm out there. So that was the path I wanted to go on. So that's where I went. And uh, I tell you, that was the, the coolest experience of my life. And just... Ask, having you ask us to be on this brought back so many, many awesome memories of what was going on at that time. Uh, war was going on. We're out in front of the public and uh, we're doing a lot of recruiting then. And in fact, a lot of people that we were uh, demonstrating in front of, you know, the, the kids in the audience are now flying jets today. Right. I mean, they're, yeah. they're on the front lines yeah. today. So it's, it kind of ages us as well. But um, uh, similar to Sean, I ended up in the Navy Reserve. I did a few more years on active duty, uh, transitioned out about 16 years after becoming a foreign area officer. Uh, been there uh, in the reserve since. Uh, I'm a captain with the Defense Innovation Unit. So right now focusing on accelerating commercial technology back into the DOD. So we're losing a war right now. Uh, the war is really about how fast can we accelerate our uh, 
our capabilities, not just with technology, but with our human human capabilities. So happy to be part of that and glad I'm here. All right. I could go on for a while. What do you, real quick, what do you mean by we're losing the war here? In what, what space? Uh, well, not not necessarily a maneuver warfare, not traditional. No, warfare, no, I, I know, but yeah. for the audience, what do you mean by that? Uh, technology. Uh, we're losing capability. Uh, just a quick example: if you're falling ways while you're driving your car and you get lost, that's we're losing human capability there. So we need to bring the human back to the forefront of fighting wars. Just going back to the weapons school, if you will, back to uh, you know the origins of, of uh, Top Gun. We ended up uh, recognizing that the human in the cockpit matters more than the. Uh, uh, than the technology itself. So gotcha. we need to shift back away from the technology focus more towards the human and of course, accelerate the technology uh, the best we can too. Well, all right. So I, I think I'm, I just want to take a real quick break here. I tell all the folks out here listening that obviously you two guys are, inc- I, I feel it wholly inadequate talking to you two, you guys right now. I mean, seeing the arcs of your career and uh, the things that you guys are involved in right now. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, I wish bio was here to see it. He's unavailable today. He's in San Diego on a trip, but uh, we, uh, this is, this is really cool. I'm so excited to have you guys here. This is awesome. Hey, so let's talk, get back to the Tomcat demo team. So, you guys said that you were kind of like nominated or picked by Slammer. How did that work? He was the RAG CEO. You were at the FRS. What happened in Oceania? Yeah, I think um, I'm trying to remember exactly, Ponch, but I believe he put it out in an AOM, you know, hey, we're going to pick demo teams for next year. And at that point, Ponch and I were pretty new instructors, uh, had just shown up and, and we were both D guys, you know, so that meant yeah. we're, we're HUD flyers, you know, APG-71 uh, radar. We didn't know really anything about the F-14A except that we didn't want to fly it. Um, and so when, uh, when you become a yeah, when you become a rag instructor um, as yeah. a D guy, they make you train your your instructor training syllabus in the A. And so then all of a sudden, you know the cockpit of the A, you know the the cockpit of the D, and you've got the same engines and uh, from the B to the D, and the same cockpit from the B to the A. So all of a sudden, you can fly all three magically. Um, and so uh, I threw my name in the hat, thinking we were going to be flying the demo in the the A. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would probably end up a smoking hole in the ground um, because, I, you know, it didn't have a HUD. So I was going to be a, a cripple from from day one. Uh, but he ended up, um, you know, announcing the names. And it was it was four D guys. You remember that punch? Because yeah, they yeah. were going to fly it in the D and then in the B that had the HUD upgrade. So uh, all about timing. You know, if we were A guys, holding up the selection letter i, I like hope it. that was my date of birth that was blacked out i don't care about my social yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it's um it was it was just again the, my career has been filled with these just right place at right time uh and a lot of it is pure luck uh i i, I you know I, I think i've been very fortunate with stuff like that so it was and, and to be with ponch and disco was was amazing I, I think it's fair to because it was uh, and stick was the fourth person, right? Do I have that right? Okay, yeah. yeah and so, right. so now you've so you four guys. I mean, let you, yes, timing matters. You're fortunate. You could call it luck. You also make your own luck. You can't. You, I mean, don't sell yourself short. You guys are all incredibly good pilots of Rios, right? I mean, let's face it. So you, it's not like you, you slammer went out and picked a bunch of knuckle. Well. He, he did. Pick, he did pick a bunch well, of knuckleheads, yeah, but, but, but they, they're good pilots who are knuckleheads. <laughs> well, I mean, the, co- the competition you had, you had Slugs Kelly, you had Gilligan Lopez, oh, yeah. you had, you know, there was there was some talent at the rag. I mean, yeah, Mark Kelly, Slider, you had uh, yeah. Opie you had Spencer, 
Yeah. 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 yeah these right. guys, these guys are all CAGs and stuff now, you know, and, and former squadron yeah. CEOs. So, I mean, there was a, there was a big talent pool for Slammer to, to choose from for sure. Yeah. And That's not only awesome. that, you know, we were, most of us were coming back from uh, multiple wars, multiple combat zones. Sure. So, I mean, that was probably the first time in a rag in a long time that we had that quality, that caliber of, uh, of instructors, not to say that our instructors for us were, were no less than that, but it's just amazing timing for all of us. Yeah, everybody's showing up at the rag with the the fruit salad on the chest. That's got the yeah. uh, it's either the 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 Desert Fox or the Kosovo gift pack, right? I mean, everybody's been there, <laughs> done that. So yeah. awesome. So once you guys got picked, you started doing the practice. Talk talk us through that. How did you uh, how did you train? How'd you get started? I think there's a the something we need to cover first, and that's you know after you get picked, you have to have the conversation with the previous team, some team members, to talk about what's really going on. Uh, you look back at Willow Grove, you look back at the accidents that we've had in the, in the aircraft, and you, you realize that this is not a joke. This is not a, this is serious business, right? It's unforgiving. And, uh, you know, going, you know, going a little bit further or foreshadowing a little bit, when you look back at time, most of the people I know who've died in fighter aviation died in airshow accidents, not combat. And, and that's, uh, you know, and that's that's something I think all of us share is either airshow practices or demos. Uh, we've seen it with the blues. We've seen it all around us. But it is a serious conversation where they sit you down and say, this is where you're going to die. I mean, if this happens in the aircraft. So you accept that, you accept that risk, and you move on, which actually brings us to a high-performing organization, why we're looked at as one of the highest-performing organizations in the world. Sean, any thoughts on that? No, you, you nailed it, Punch. And I remember when we sat down, you know, it was Demo and Mango and <clears throat> Sean Mango, I mean, Aaron, Demo Castillo. And those guys were telling us um, this is a serious business. And, you know, this was a really my first dose of humility as, you know, we got announced that we got it. And, it, you know, you're on this high, like, wow, I, th- that's awesome. I can't wait. This is going to be a great year. And then you sit down and you talk about the history, you know, and, and Dewar and, and Fur Bergstrom. Um, and you know, that could happen to anybody. I, I have never, um, armchair quarterbacked any of these mishaps because I've scared myself enough that any one of those could have been any one of us. And when they, they sit there and they, they tell you about the, the seriousness and the level of, um, intensity and professionalism they have to do during the demo, because you are low and there is really no time, uh, to make decisions. You, you have to be right on and, um, it was amazing. It was it was a great talk, and it really caged us, I think, for for the training syllabus. And who and that was with so that was just you guys in the previous year's demo team. There was no adult supervision in the room. Skipper wasn't there. It was just lieutenant to lieutenant. Is that right? It was, yeah. And yeah. then after we trained with those guys as well, and then once we had gone through a syllabus and they were spotting, and you know we started high at like five thousand feet, and then we started stepping it down. It's actually incredibly similar to what the blues do. It's a very uh, cookbook kind of um, slow process. You take baby steps, you know, walk, crawl, run. But after we finally were ready to do one at the field, that's when Slammer Richardson and the Commodore, I believe, stood there and um, they were listening on the radio and they were watching us and they signed us off that we were cleared to, you know, to proceed to the air show circuit. But um, so your was- initial practices, you said at the field, your initial practices were not at Naval Air Station Oceana. Where did you practice? Dare County. Remember that? Punch? Oh, it's yeah. a swamp. Yeah, it's yeah. a swamp down in North Carolina. So you're um, you're down there, you're over the, the target rate. It's, yeah, it's a big old it's a big old swamp land with a couple of targets and and snakes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and when you when you go down there with the new pilots, so I had to stay back and I was instructor when when Shorn took off. Uh, what ended up happening is you have to hot pit, you know. So I'm hot pitting going down there with the, the OP and, and Rocco, and uh, it, it's it, it's another level of coaching and training that you have to do because you know at, when when Mango was training me to be a Rio, um, I did some work with him first, and then I worked with Shorn and and Stick for the year, and then I had to go back and train the next year's group, and we go down to Dare, and that is absolutely terrifying um, to do that type of work, that type of. Uh, training and coaching as a, as a Rio instructor demo team member. Right. So you're so, talking yeah. about the next year when you're teaching the next folks, is that right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Wow. But, but going down to dare is where we, where we step things down and uh, that's probably where we have the most uh, near death experiences. <laughs> oh, wow. Awesome. <laughs> so yeah. you start. you go down to dare because there's nobody down there. So the point being that, you're, you're one, not flying over people's houses. You're not making a lot of noise. You're not impacting the pattern. And if you make a big giant smoking hole, you're probably only killing yourself and nobody else. Is that a fair yeah, assumption? Pretty much, you, Dare? pretty much and, the story of all the Navy ranges. Yeah, mm -hmm. pretty much. Right. And, and so you started with basically a hard deck of 5,000 feet. So you simulate the ground is at five and you would do the whole thing at five. Is that what I heard? Yeah, I think that's, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to remember the specific details, but I believe 5,000 was the initial, um, uh, deck that we used yeah. and you know you'd be surprised how even when you know 5000 is a huge cushion how um conservative you are as you bottom out on a loop or something and you're at 6300 and mm -hmm. you know yeah. and and demo in the back seat goes hey that was a great loop shore nobody saw it you know <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so it's um you're like yeah you're 1300 feet above people that's like pattern altitude and it's like yeah. oh yeah but you know so you, you really even though you have that cushion and it's, it's built that it's designed that way so that there is to mitigate the risk, you know, to do the operational risk management, what's the least, you know, we're willing to accept some risk, but not enough that we're going to put yeah. people in danger. And you just keep until you get better and better and better. And this is exactly what the blues do. Um, you start stepping those, those altitudes down and, and um, bringing the crossings in and things like that to the point where once you're, You've done something a thousand times, you know, you're good at it. You can teach. That's why I tell people yeah. you can teach a monkey to fly these planes. If they do it a thousand times, they're going to get good at it. If they send a monkey to space, he did it, you yeah. know? So um, we're, we're not special pilots. It's just that you practice and you mm -hmm. are disciplined about it and you, uh, yeah. you know, you work. It's, it's yeah. a lot of work um, to get to the point where you get qualified. Yeah. It, it, it's, you know, we talk about being, uh, you know, proficient versus, legal or qualified. Right. And that's, there's a big difference. And that's all comes from practice. Nobody can teach you proficiency. You have to go out and do it yourself. Right. So, um, so now once you get, you get all practiced up, you're, you start at 5,000 feet over dare, you work it all the way down to basically the deck at dare. And then you go to Oceana, you perform in front of the skipper and the Commodore. Is that all the way down at the deck? Like right screaming over people's houses? on that sign off or is it lifted up a little bit? I think we bit? had a, I think we had a 500 foot short uh, deck first, right? Sure. And then we brought so. it down. down and and we might've okay. done it at dare even uh dare County yeah. maybe, but I can't remember I, because they, it's a, it's a big deal to a close the airfields and B you have to do a, a five mile ring, you yeah. know, up to 10,000 feet um, and get that airspace blocked off by the FAA as well. So TFRs are in effect and things like that um, just to do a practice. So it's a big deal. Um, and it takes a lot of coordination. And not to mention, you got all the people who live around an airfield who really they they really like you guys, but they don't want to hear you on a random Tuesday when the well, kids I would are sleeping, say right? I would say maybe fifty point one percent like it, uh, and the other forty nine point nine are calling the base and complaining. Yeah, you know, it, it honestly depends uh, show site to show site. I would say Ponch, because you know 
you go to some some places that you might least expect uh, being incredibly patriotic and 99% of the population is there in support. Other places where you think you're going to have a great show, there's people picketing and, and uh, yeah, right. you know, asking wow. the tough questions. Yeah. That's interesting. Wow. Okay. Well, the, the toughest question I ever got asked in an interview was in San Francisco during Fleet Week. Um, and it was live and this uh, reporter asked me, how can you justify you know, it was a great interview up to this point. And then she threw in this question uh, live, you know, how can you justify spending this kind of money and wasting all these, these t- this time and assets um, for air shows when we have people on the front lines that don't have the equipment they need to fight, you know, to fight the wars. And, you know, it's like, well, um, honestly, have you ever heard the phrase that there's, there's separate pots of money? This is a pot of money that is designed for recruiting. This is how we we inspire the follow-on, you know, folks that are gonna that are gonna carry the torch when we have to rotate out, and uh, we need people that are willing to fight, and that's what our job is. Um, and there are other pots of money that are designated to give people the equipment they need to fight. Um, and I essentially said, really, I, this is the kind of stuff that Congress and our senators need to hear about, you know, from you're voting for them, and they're the ones that are um, telling us what we can spend and where we're going to spend it. So I am just doing my job and following orders. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. What a great answer that is. Was that when you were with Flying Tomcats or with uh, with the Blues when you got that one? No, that was with the Blues, but boy, would that yeah. have been a great show to do in the Tomcat uh, between yeah. the Bay Bridge <laughs> and the Golden Gate. Uh, <laughs> I, might not be, I might not be still flying if I did yeah. that one. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, um, let's see here. So we're talking about practicing. Now, as you get, let's say you're going off in that San Francisco show, you do a practice at Oceana before you fly off, right? Is that like on a Thursday or something like that? And then you fly off on Friday. Is that about right? Mm -hmm. So you do fly, you do a practice here and then you go off and you're, you're on the road. Um, you didn't do San Francisco. You said in the Tomcat pick, pick one that you guys did walk me through the process. There was a, uh, a practice at home, there was a fly-in, probably a practice on site. What happens during the show? Things like that. What do you think, Ponch? The most interesting one I would say was Patrick. You remember how I think we were yeah. supposed to go to McGee Tyson and yeah. um, uh, Iraqi Freedom kicked off and it, it right. canceled every air show. Mm. But Patrick said, we are going to do our air show. Blues are invited. Thunderbirds are invited. Snowbirds are invited. We had the F-14, 15. 16, A-10, F-18, every, it was probably the biggest air show I've ever been at as far Mm -hmm. as firepower. And uh, that was, that was quite the process though, to make that happen. But you, we have, we have a morning brief uh, that we go to with the FAA, with the other uh, demonstrators. That's, that's a big thing. But at at Patrick, if I remember correctly, I wasn't really aware that we were flying a beach show on it. It was Friday night. I don't think anybody was aware till the, the, yeah. the good idea fairy came out and said, "Hey, who does a night demo? Why don't you guys go out and fly?" Yeah. Yeah. But we did a full up. It was a it was a twilight demo, which was mind blowing. Um, yeah, because everybody was there except us. We were flying, right? We were the only flying act, yeah. and all the other teams were at the O Club on the beach watching. Oh, how fun yeah. is that? Well, in hindsight, it was great. It was terrifying yeah. when we did it. <laughs> so basically, it's a twilight show, which maybe you haven't practiced as much. And you're not only dem- performing for the crowd, but you're performing for all the other demo pilots in the Navy and the Air Force. And if I'm not mistaken, you were rushing the blues at the time and they were there watching you. Is that about that right? Was. That, 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 that was. That uh... was. So now, if I'm not mistaken, there was a. Do you want to talk about? I think you had a conversation with Lonnie Anderson 
after the show. <laughs> I did. Yeah. yeah, Lonnie, Je- Brigadier General Lonnie Anderson right now. Oh, yes, wow. that's right. Uh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. FedEx pilot, if I'm not mistaken as well. That's correct. Yep. And actor. Uh, oh, yes. Yes, he yes he is in, uh, golly, I've, I feel like I've seen Captain him Phillips. Yeah, Captain Phillips. Oh, that's take- right. Yeah, yeah when he plays an Air Force pilot, doesn't he? <laughs> yep, he's an F-16 guy. Oh, man. Yeah, and that's then, right. Lonnie, if you're listening to this, call me. All right. <laughs> Keep going. No, Lonnie's a great American. Um, yeah, I think, Ponch, they told us, remember we went to the initial uh, brief for the Friday show, and uh, like Ponch was saying, the FAA brief in the morning, and they tell us, you know, the airspace uh, restrictions and the timing of it and the itinerary, all that stuff. Um, special rules, special radio frequencies. But then they, they kind of came out with that, hey, we'd really love somebody to fly this evening. And everybody just kind of like, you know, takes a look at each other and going, no way. You know, we're not we're not we're not allowed to do that. We're not qualified. And Ponch and I are like, well, we'll, we'll call our commanding officer. We'll do it. But um, it wasn't technically a twilight. I mean, it wasn't a night show and it wasn't a day show. Right. Um, and they didn't have the whole airspace, but they had enough of it that we did a portion of our maneuvers. Um, but the I think the most. uh I don't know. Impressive one was that takeoff. Remember, we they had to close the road both directions at the end of the runway for our low transition to the beach line. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah, we crossed right over. I think that's US one, maybe. Yeah. And uh, so as I'm coming off the runway, I'll I'll never forget. uh, Punch goes, is that a fence? (laughs) (laughs) As we go by the end of the road and, uh, you know, we were probably I don't know how many feet. the route out was going off. I know that. Um, and then uh, we went by this fence line and then I just, we had to bank it, you know, mm-hmm. almost 80 degree bank to, to pull up the beach. And that's what Lonnie saw. And he just saw this plan form of an F-14 go across the road, essentially like this up the beach line and then started our show. And when we finished, we went over to the O club in our flight suits and, you know, we were all hot and sweaty. And, and I remember Lonnie walked up to me and he said, he said, man, what what altitudes were you crossing that road? And I said, I didn't, the HUD. I don't think our HUD camera was working. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome! What a what a that was cool. So, what year was that? That was at Patrick. What year was that? If anybody uh, was 03? there, like, three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe, right. maybe March or April of 03. Yeah. Cool. Wow, that's yeah. so cool. So now, after you, so so that was like a twilight show. What what about a normal show? Normally, you fly in like on a Thursday or Friday, and then you have a yeah. practice, and there might be a Friday afternoon show, but then there's a Saturday Sunday. Is is that about the normal sequence? How does that work? Yeah, we we finally get paired up with each other after we do a couple shows with Mango and um, Schwartz flying with Demo or, or Money, somebody else. But finally, we get paired up, and I think we're in. I can't remember which our first show together was, Sean, but I remember we did, we, well, it uh, may have been, but uh, we did another show in the Midwest somewhere where we get airborne. Uh, we have a ceiling. Um, we roll inverted, and I hear Sean ask, Where's the field? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. We weren't in the clouds. We were just lower to the ground and inverted uh, more than we've ever been in the past. But uh, those type of things sneak up on you every now and then. And uh, uh, I mean, again, going back to our, our humble beginnings, we're, we're a couple of knuckleheads and you're asking us to do something that's pretty spectacular. And you throw us in a situation we haven't been in before, which is, you know, hey, let's do a lower show today. Um, that first maneuver was was hysterical. And and my response to Shorn was, you know, fly to the dot. That's like, I can't <laughs> see there. <laughs> Posh gave me the dot. <laughs> 
I was just saying, you, you know, we weren't in the clouds, but we had to do everything lower than we were used to. Um, and that's where people get in trouble in these air yeah. shows. You know, that's um, with one of the blues um, mishaps, it was not resetting an altimeter, you know, uh, so that to, you know, to barrows so that you have the same as your rat out, you know, when you're inverted and things like that. So you got to reset. And, but when you, when you're used to flying up to three, 4,000 feet inverted and pulling straight back to the field, you can't do that anymore when yeah. you level off at 1500 or 1200. Sure. And it, it just becomes a geometry problem. And that's where, you know, punch and disco and demo and money halter and guys like that. That's where those guys, um, save our lives. Essentially. They keep us yeah. alive in uh, cause they have way more essay at that point. Yeah. Their situation where us is elevated over ours. We're just looking through a soda straw. Yeah. So, but, so crunch, if I'm hearing you right, you kind of want us to walk you through a typical day where we wake up, go to the FA brief and do, do well, everything. Well, only because I think that the briefing part is pretty cool. I would like to yeah. hear how that works. And then afterwards, I was wondering if you could walk me through a show. Yeah, sure. So a uh, morning brief with the FAA, uh, we send one member to the, uh, the brief. It could be any one of us, including the, the non-flying members of the day. Uh, we get all everything that Sean went through. If we're on site, if it's going to be an on-site show, um, that's a little bit different. We'll, we'll, we'll get to a little bit earlier and prep up. If it's off-site, um, that's different as well. But a lot of times when we were, you know, our time slot in the afternoon was awesome. It was usually right before the Thunderbirds, right before the Blue Angels. Right. And with that, we're staying in the same hotel with them. Uh, the briefs are usually in the hotel in the morning. We could potentially join their escorts to get to their show. So there's a lot of times we didn't spend a lot of, you know, our morning at the air show, air show itself. The the other team members would be there in the morning standing around the jets or we'd send other air crew there to do that. Um, we get to the air show, uh, take a look at the aircraft, get in the car, the rental car, and that's where we run our briefs. And our briefs, I mean, our briefs are pretty standard. Uh, there's a lot of things to, to discuss there. But uh, realizing on that day, you know, the day before the actual demo on a Saturday or Sunday, on that Friday or even on a Thursday, we're going to fly another practice there as well, so we, mm. we can see what landmarks are around us. So we're kind of familiar with what's what's you know the landmarks as well. Uh, but the the brief, uh, you know, standard Top Gun brief, um, a lot of human factors. You know, make sure we had enough sleep, uh, those type of things. Make sure we're we're, we're feeling good, uh, checking in with each other, uh, health condition, all that. Um, and then we get into the technical aspect about the, the maneuvers. And that's where Sean would usually walk me through that and say, hey, this is what I need you to, to pay attention to here. Back me up on this. So, Sean, do you want to add more color to that? No, I mean, you're you're right on. You, one part you forgot about talking about the briefs, the FAA briefs, was um, was having uh, um, Snort Snodgrass in there um, and um, Patty Wagstaff's dog walking around our feet. You remember that? And we're like, mm -hmm. what? You, you looked up, what? there's an animal in here. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, usually for, for us, um, part of our pre-flight, uh, you know, the blues, they get imagery of all these, these show sites, guys like, like Ponch and I and stick and disco, we, we had to kind of make our own way and, and use what everybody else uses. So we didn't have access to the same, the mm. same stuff, but we'd look at where, where were our, um, um, you know, towers and where were the things that we were going to need to avoid? What was going to be, um, somewhere in our show routine that was going to have to change something like, is yeah. there a, is there a building sticking up on one of our running lines? Is there, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. Um, you know, is it hard to see the runways? Remember that show Ponch we did? Um, the one, it was actually, it was Muskegon. It was the worst show mm -hmm. of my life. Um, mm -hmm. and I was flying with Roll, who was awesome. It Roll had absolutely nothing to do with this. This was all me. Um, but the run in line, like they had the runway was 
the 500 foot line and they had, they had taken lime and lined it out um, another 500 feet or a thousand feet outside of that for the 1500 foot line. And when you're doing anything dynamic, you're supposed to be at that far line, 1500 feet from the crowd. They want the, they don't want the aircraft pointing at people. You're always on a 45 degree run in um, pointing on one side of the crowd. You never point at the crowd. And um, I, I couldn't see that line from the air. I could see it great. You know, when you look at it on the ground, it's a bunch of uh, lime and like white bags and things that they had lined out. But once you got airborne, you couldn't see it with the tree line and everything else. Um, and so I kept biting off on the runway and um, things like that, discussing uh, what is going to bite us today, what's going to be different. Um, you know, because if everything's the same, it's great. You can you can go with the standard brief. But when things get different, it just um, it's, it changes everything. It really does. It just gets yeah. in your head. So so talk us through a, that typical. So you get you're getting ready to go go on a flight like the Muskegon show. All right. So you get to the hold short. Hey, uh, Tomcat demo clear for takeoff. Talk us through it. How does that go? That's Ponch's call. All right. <laughs> Ponch, talk us yeah. through it. Uh, we take the runway. We uh, get the airspace from boss, make sure it's uh, good to go for us. And then uh, we get the aircraft uh, configured right, wings out, slaps down, flaps down, ready for our load training. I think, did we go flaps down on takeoff? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, yeah, we were. Um, Probably maneuvering flaps. Maneuvering yeah, flaps. Yeah, maneuvering yeah, flaps, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then we just start after they give us the green light. Uh, narration would start we get airborne uh really really quick get up to 140 knots get off the ground um make sure we get positive rate of climb and this is where shorn scares the hell out of me <laughs> i'll tell you the uh, the low tranny i um i started getting pretty um I, I would say uh salty confident on those things until the memphis show when snort snodgrass who is a legend in the f-14 demo uh, came up to me after ours and said, that's the lowest low training I've ever seen. And that, at that point I said, I need to step it up because yeah. if I made, if I impressed snort, I probably just about killed us. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah, cause you just get comfortable at doing it and you, you feel the jet. I remember punch, we'd get the gear. You'd have to lift the jet off the ground to get the, the yeah. decompression. And then you'd slowly set it back down. And then somewhere around 180 or so you'd feel the jet kind of, um, you just feel this little back end would sink just a little bit. And, uh, that was as the maneuvering flaps came up and, and then it was super comfortable because you knew it was nice and smooth and you're good. And we had some really good ones punched. Remember the, uh, Cleveland, the oh, Cleveland, yeah. uh, low tranny. I think we blew a bunch of sailboats around and made a huge mist cloud as we pulled straight up over the water. But the calm in the aircraft at this point is we're accelerating 160, 180, 200, and then we're just holding down, staying at low on the deck. And then Sean would give the call out. Hold on, Uncle Jesse. And that's when I knew we were popping. <laughs> that was my that was my cue to him that he's yeah. the G on set. <laughs> Here comes the G. Hold on, Uncle Jesse. Oh wow! So they, and that's so you, not from Full House, by the way. For yeah, exactly. That's what people house. think now. When I say "Hang on, Uncle Jesse," they they say, "What? Oh yeah, from uh, Full House." I'm like, "What is that? I don't know yeah. what that is." Wrong, Uncle Jesse. Uh, so boom, you, you of course. Duke's hazard, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yes. so, 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 yeah. You get to the end of the runway, you yank the nose up, and up you go. Right? What What happens? What's the net follow-on maneuver? It's usually um, so we try to go uh, straight up, depending airspeed and air airspace and clouds and things like that. And then um, what I would do is I would rotate ninety degrees to the right so that I was now facing essentially away from the cr the crowd, and then we'd make the um, the top half of that Immelman. And I would hold, I know uh, Poncho remembers this, I would hold inverted as long as I could till um, 
we hit our natops limitations yeah. for the um, fuel pumps. Ten seconds. And then ten Point. seconds exactly. Ten seconds. Yeah, ten seconds. Ten seconds. Yeah. Yeah. So I would stay still stay inverted um, and head outbound like that, just because I thought people, you know, that would look impressive than that more so than just rolling upright and heading outbound. It's very uncomfortable. Just yeah. that <laughs> but Punch could see the airfield. It, it, it's, surprise, it's surprisingly difficult to fly straight and level inverted. Mm-hmm. It is. It is surprisingly oh, difficult. Yes. Well, everything's Continue. backwards. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, That's right. It's yeah. very difficult. But then um, from there, we would do a, uh, a slicing turn. Let's see if we're inverted. It would be to our left, uh, back towards center point. Um, and at that point, you that was where you really, you know, stick is, was really good at this as well. You, you just had to, you had to look at your altimeter and you had to look at um, how far you were from the field. Because 10 seconds, depending on wind, depending on how quickly you rolled, things like that. You, um, you may or may not have been able to go 70 degrees nose low, 80 degrees nose low. Sometimes it was 40 degrees nose low because you had to scoop out at 200 feet. We had a 200 foot letter, mm-hmm. um, whereas some of the Air Force demos were 500 foot. And I think the Hornets oh. might have been too, Ponch, right? Yeah, probably, yep. yep. The West Coast Commodore owned the F-18 demo program. The Oceana Commodore owned the Tomcat. And the Oceana Commodore was willing to do the 200 feet, whereas the West Coast Commodore at the time would only let them do 500 Mm. Uh, which makes for a much more impressive show, uh, right. just being that low. But so as we came back into the um, the center point, there is that when we did the uh, min radius turn punch. Or was min radius turns, yep. Yeah. With burners lit. Yep. Yeah. So crunch. I know you you wanted some details, some actual flying yeah. details. This is probably was my favorite maneuver in the F fourteen um, because as I when you first start that that dem that maneuver and and you learn how to fly it, you get fast because. The F-14B and D engines, you know, those things at sea level were putting out 30,600 pounds of thrust apiece. Um, and you're in a 54 to 60,000 pound jets. So, I mean, you were, it was, it was, uh, it was hard not to accelerate, but as I continued to do that maneuver, I got the feel to break the AOA and I would pull it to 20 units instead of our normal, um, you know, our normal AOA on speed of what we were doing, 14 to 16 type thing mm-hmm. and because if you stayed at 15 units you would start to arc and, and speed up and guys would have to come out of afterburner like the previous crews would come out of afterburner or would they go to min afterburner and try to pull a little more but you know we had to worry about overging at that point so as we'd start the maneuver i would pull through to the back side of the the l over d curve you know lift over drag so now you're you're essentially skidding around and if i did that I could leave it in full afterburner. I could maintain about 325 knots and I could use my pull to control my airspeed. And I mm-hmm. never overstressed doing that. Nice. And then I had to use my rudders um, to it. keep us on altitude because yeah, if you so, move your wings, yeah, if you use your wings, you look, you look like crap, you know, cause you yeah. see the plane just going back and forth like this. So you just, right. you had to hold what you got and use your rudders to, to kind of keep yourself on altitude at 18 to 20 units holding that. So I could keep my airspeed under control. And it was just a, it was a really different way of flying that I, than I'd ever done. And that actually helped me a, a ton on the blues I was bet. being able to, to do stuff like that. And, and you're, you're flying like a helicopter pilot at that point. You're actually using your yeah. feet, which, you know, yeah. jet guys, our feet are on the deck, right? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. So, that's right. So talking about, talking about rudder usage and, you know, from an instructor standpoint, instructing the new team members, it was, was weird because we never talked about that when we're flying right. the jet in, in the Tomcat community. But from the demo, um, we learned how to use the rudders, um, I think more so than we did in, in what we were doing on the tactical side of aviation. But uh, we really learned how to fly that aircraft. And that thing is a beast down low, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. It was the funnest plane 
funnest plane I've ever flown in a demo, I think, because you're your own boss um, and you're it. It's, you know, it's, you don't have the coordination of a bunch of other things going on. It just really gave you the artistic freedom to, to just, you know, impress, have a blast and, and do your job well. That's awesome. That is so cool. That's cool. So, so boom, you pop up, you do this Immelman 90 degrees off, you do a slicing turn, you come down min radius turn, you're cranking that thing around. Then what? Oh boy, punch. You got your, uh, your sequence out. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just generally, I mean, you, you do a, yeah, a, a nice extension to a vertical, uh, back in and either we're doing the, uh, we're doing the Cuban eight here inverted. I can't remember yeah. which came up next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess what we did next. Yeah, so it was uh, coming back to show center, extending out a little bit, going up in the vertical, coming back, and I think our first hit is 45 degrees nose low. Is that correct, Sean? Yeah. Yeah, 45 degrees no- nose low, inverted in our roll point at altitude. I can't remember, 2,500 feet? I can't remember the numbers. But uh, that 45 degrees looking down at Earth, inverted, is not a lot of fun. But on the back end of this, uh, we extend again, and we do it at, what, 60 degrees nose low? Yep. And that that's absolutely terrifying. I don't know no demo pilot I knew uh, liked to hold that position at all. Uh, they, they, they touch 60 and they roll. They're like, I'm done. We're rolling. Yeah. I, I can imagine. That. Just hearing you guys talk about this, I'm like, man, that's it, – it's, it's a lot. Because I know uh, – well, it does. I've never done the demo team thing, uh, but just watching you guys do it, I have nothing but respect. Because I tell you what, it takes some, uh, it takes yeah. some nuts to put it to put it bluntly to do what we're doing the, here. Yeah. Now get this: you flew the F-14B quite a bit, Crunch, and when we got the V-Dig in it, we got the new HUD. Um, we started training in that a little bit more, and I, with the next year's team, I ended up going out and learning a little bit about the the, the B HUD that I didn't know. And mm-hmm. what we found out and discovered on that, on a demo practice is when you go in the in, inverted, roll inverted, or up, coming down the ground, pulling through six degrees, nose low, inverted, that HUD is actually lagging. So it's showing 40, 45 degrees and we're actually hitting 60, right? So we end up pulling through to 70, 80 and actually going, exiting out the other direction. Whoa. Um, so that was an absolutely terrifying moment to, to realize in the jet that the V-Dig, the, the HUD and the B lags a little bit when you do that. So. And we're like, let's get back to steam gauges and the B, right? The wow, I had never, I never heard that about the VDGR. I knew that there were some uh, different issues yeah. with the way it displayed things with the horizon and all that. But I, I but you think about it, who, who's going to go fly that thing inverted to check it out at sixty degrees nose low at twenty five hundred <laughs> feet, right? Nobody, <laughs> nobody's going to do that. It's yeah. yeah, it's not a thing that you're typically going to be doing. That's yeah. you're absolutely right. Well, and you and you you were under negative, you know, just about one G when you're doing it too. It was it was real uncomfortable, and now you just sparked. Uh, a brain cell that I thought I'd killed drinking punch. I think as we came in from the low tranny outbound, we did the, the half Cuban eight first, um, but not the MRT. Okay. I think we came back and did the min radius turn because that half Cuban eight is where I got big trouble in the, in Muskegon. Yeah. <laughs> not the half Cuban eight. I'm sorry. The, uh, the, the racetrack eight that we did. Um, where we did yeah, you're right. Yeah. Turns. Well, yeah. So, yeah. so, okay. So we've alluded to it twice. What happened to Muskegon? So. <laughs> well, so it's, yeah, we've talked about it. Sean so, was not flying with punch. <laughs> no, no, but roll, roll did his best to keep me out of trouble. Um, so the weird thing about Muskegon, um, well, so normally, um, you, you take off parallel to the crowd and you go straight up and you turn away from the crowd. Right. So, this one, the takeoff runway was right towards center line. So you had to, you had to taxi 6,500 feet away mm-hmm. and you're lined up at the crowd. And so I do the low train and I have to pull up early because you can't go over the crowd. 
So I pull up early, and so now I'm slower than I normally am. And I instead I do a pure Immelman. I don't have to roll or anything. And I'm, now I'm going away from the crowd uh, after being going right towards them. And so as I turned to do my normal slicing turn back towards point, my that first um, uh, essentially lazy eight that we do on the ground, I went right over the crowd on the first turn. And then uh-huh. as I came back around, I tried to arc it. So I'm like, oh man, we're too close. And Roll's like, hey man, move it out, move it out. <laughs> and so uh, the second one, I still went over the crowd in full afterburner, and uh, and the crowd loved it. You know, I don't know if they could hear to this day after that, but. Um, and so then the next maneuver we, you know, we came in for that, that, uh, split S thing, uh, or I guess it was a half Cuban. Um, I was lined up on the 500 foot line again, because I, I could see the runway. I couldn't see the line. And so, so couple all this with, so I'm screwing up and looking at the wrong thing and I'm close to the crowd. So that's, that's part a part B there were 50 mile an hour winds in from the lake towards the show line at the same time. So even if I would have been doing it right, I still would have been close to the crowd. So oh, now wow. it's even worse. And now part C, the FAA inspector that's doing this air show, it's his first one. Mm. So he is, he's like, he knows the rules, but he's, he's not really in the scene or knows like how to handle when things aren't going the way he wants them to go. And so he got the call, I think after five maneuvers and, Disco was was down there. Disco and Stick were were the second crew, and Disco was doing the narration. And we got a call on the radio: "Hey, they want you to land <laughs> after four or five maneuvers." And the Blues are there watching, and uh, and I was a finalist already, so I'd been picked to be a finalist. Actually, no, I wasn't. I hadn't been picked to be a finalist, so I thought there's no way in in hell I'll be a finalist now because this was maybe a week before I went to finalist week for the Blues. Yeah. So yeah, I was, I knew I was a finalist, but they hadn't, I hadn't gone to finalist week. And, uh, and then I got told, I got benched by the FAA and five maneuvers in. Wow. And, um, so we land and Sean D, uh, Tucker, um, who awesome dude to this day, I've run into him several times in the past few years. He, um, he went to the FAA again and, uh, he had, he had gone out and flown as well. And he said, those are the worst winds I've ever seen at an air show site. They were pushing me in. This is, it's going to be hard for everybody today. You know, we'll recage everybody and we'll talk about it in the debrief. And he essentially greased the skids with the FAA guy. said, okay, fine. They can, we'll try it again tomorrow. But at that point I said, you know what? I'm not flying anymore. Stick, it's all yours. Cause stick was going to fly the next day anyway. Yeah. Um, but I gave him Sunday as well and said, I, I think I'd pretty much <laughs> have proven that uh, I don't need to be airborne at the rest of the show. So, so me and roll were the uh, narrators and, uh, that was my first question in my blues interview was, so what happened to Muskegon? <laughs> There's some humility in here because oh, yeah. one thing about this is in, in this high performing organization, we, we can call ourselves out and just stop. And this happened to us again. When Sean went to the blues, I was flying with crash miles down in San Antonio. And, and yeah. just a week before in Idaho, the uh, Thunderbirds just put a bird in the ground. You know, one of the mm-hmm. uh, uh, soloists, uh, the, you know, he ejected, he's fine. But, um, you know, word in the brief in the morning brief was FAA is concerned. Uh, we got these cowboys out here, and you think about the Tomcat demo, a 200 foot show with an aircraft that's twice the size of an F-16 down in San Antonio. The heat's going to come on us, and, and we we sensed that. Snork gave us a little heads up, and so did everybody else in the in the morning brief. And Crash and I looked at each other, and I'm like, man, this is not a good idea to go fly today. They're, they're, they want somebody. I mean, they want to make an example out of somebody. Let's not be that example, right? Let's just. Let's call it a day, you know, and, and we did. So what's amazing about being on a team like this is, um, I mean, we'll, 
we'll call knock it off um, before uh, and, and be okay about it, right? Because there are lives at stake and uh, it's a very dangerous business that we already covered. But it, it, that's that's the great thing about being part of a team like this and work with guys like Shorn yeah. is uh, uh, you can you can call yourself out and say, no, we're not doing this. You know, it, it's Ponch, it's an interesting thing you bring up. I, I know this is kind of like your business and everything to, to talk about high performing organizations. But, you know, uh, there's a saying, it's something along the lines of when an organization stops uh, accepting criticism is when it starts to fail or whether or something along yeah. those lines. Right. And I think it's fair to say that. Uh, uh, you two guys and pretty much everybody who does that demo process uh, team, you are open to criticism. You know, you're going to make mistakes. I don't think any one of us has ever flown the perfect flight, right? I'm That's still right. trying. I usually can't get to the hold short before I've, ah, not, not today, <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. a perfect flight today for sure. But uh, you know, you're always in search of that perfect flight. You're always trying and you're never, you're yeah. never to the point where you can say, I don't need to improve anymore. Ever right, but, and go ahead. But in your in your line of work, both your lines of work, you have threat and error management, right? Seven times during any flight, you're going to have a mistake, but it's right. going to be trapped. You're going to trap that, and that's what we did in, as an air crew: is we would trap each other's mistakes, keep them in there, you know, keep mm-hmm. us honest. Uh, and when they like do escape, we do have to do something, and that's where the debrief came in, and, and we learned from that. Uh, and a lot of times, yeah. we got lucky, right? So yeah, yeah, this is. I mean, these are there are critical lessons to be learned from flying air shows. Right? I, and you know, it's punch. It's funny. You, it's a lot of times we, all three of us have used the word luck or lucky. And mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm going to, unpopular opinion. I don't think there's as much luck there so much as, hey, it is that feedback loop. It is that ability to self-critique. It is the ability to say, hey, the winds are kicking my ass and I can't see that line, the 1500 yep. foot line. And you know what? I got landed and oh, my decision was stick. You take the lead. I obviously am off my game today. Boom. You right. got it. And I'm yeah. sure that when you were rushing the blues and they said, Hey, what happened to Muskegon? Had you said, well, the wind blew me. It wasn't my fault. Yeah. Boom. You weren't making the team, but you owned it. And you know, Jocko yeah. talks about extreme ownership and all that other stuff. I mean, we have all been thinking about that for the last 20, 30 years, extreme ownership. Yeah. That's how we got to yeah. where we are. And so that's yeah. just the way we live. And so you did that. You came up, you said, Hey, I messed up and look at all these things I did. And I, I knew to take myself out. And they were like, that's the maturity that we want. You know, well, that's exactly uh, after the fact. I think that's why I made the team because um, Beef Bartlett, you know, was the boss at the time. And his, you know, he kicks off the interview with, hey, my, he, no kidding. He said, my normal question is, you know, why do you want to be a Blue Angel? What do you bring to the team? But for you, what happened in Muskegon and what do we need to know about Shorn and the FAA? That was my first question. And so, you know, you're sitting at the end of a long table with all 16 blues officers in there. And no kidding. The first thing I did was I went serenity now. <laughs> and they all started laughing. And, uh, and then no kidding. I, I just told the truth. I said, boy, I, I was off my game that morning. Um, I started the maneuvers out from a completely different uh, perspective or, or spot that I normally do on the airfield. And I never recovered from that. And it, um, it was spiraling to the point where I, I, it was smarter for me to land the plane and call it a day than it was to continue to try to make it work. Um, I just needed to, you know, I I just needed to essentially, um, you know, cut my losses at that point. And I said, and I'll tell you the hardest part about it was I I disappointed Roll because Roll is a fantastic Rio, Um, John Kaiser. He's a United pilot now. Um, And I said, in the other demo team, I go, those guys were the ones standing in front of the crowd. I got to land and be out of the crowd sight. I said, but after that, I went right to the to the tent, you know, and, and uh, Roll went with me and we sat down and we talked to kids and we signed autographs and we answered questions. And when people said what happened, I said, yeah, that was, today was not my day. 
And uh, man, that was humbling. It was awful. So was people in the awful. people in the crowd knew that it, it wasn't going well. Did they no, figure that? They, out? They, they said, "What happened to the plane? Did was something wrong oh, with your okay. plane?" Yeah, they thought, "What happened? You know, does, did the plane break?" Because um, I think that might be what Disco said to the crowd: "Is hey, we're having a mechanical issue, and the plane's going to land early." Hmm. Um, and I just said today, I, I said today was not my day. Maybe people took it as, "Oh, yeah, well, the plane was broken," but in reality, it was. Um, I, I just that was not my day to fly, and uh, right. Yeah. Awful, awful experience. And then, um, I went down to finalist week, just, you know, I had honestly zero stress at that point going down to finals week. Cause I knew I didn't have a chance. So mm-hmm. it, it made it so easy to go there going, well, you know, I, I can't believe they're still letting me come down after that, uh, you know, a week before, but then the guys that are there that you're, that you're finalists with, I mean, there's, these guys are rock stars. When you get to the blues finalists, yeah. I, I was like, what am I doing here? Right. <laughs> I mean, you got Knuckles Shipley, Brigadier General. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Pewak Shortle, uh, who's an 06. You got, um, you know, um, uh, what was his name? You know all these guys, Punch too. Um, Ferg Ferguson. I mean, guys like that. Proton yeah. McLaughlin. I mean, these I, are. I know three of those four guys. Yeah. yeah. These guys are <laughs> these guys are legends. You know, they're all yeah. awesome guys. Um, fantastic people. And you go down there, um, Steph Mueller, who um, ended up being on the team with me. And I'm going, what? I don't, I'm not, a, these guys are a different league. And, and I knew that I also had just screwed away my career in that, that demo. So best case, I was going to get to be a rag instructor for uh, the next two and a half years and, or year and a half at that point. And then, uh, you know, go, go back to the fleet. So um, there was just, I had zero stress at that point, just cause I knew it was over. And um, I, it was the most surprising call I think I could have ever gotten when they called and said, you know, welcome to the team, asshole. And I'm like, you guys know you're calling Shorn, right? <laughs> like, did you dial the wrong number? And, uh, it's it, the wrong job. They just called John and they're like, yeah, oh, oh, shoot, wrong one. Damn it. Who transposed these numbers here? Hey, sorry, man. Just kidding. We'll see you. <laughs> Thanks for coming out. <laughs> oh, man. Holy cow. So, so wow. This, okay. So this, this conversation went in a completely different direction. This is yep, amazing. Sorry, man. <laughs> no, this is amazing. This is great because I tell you what, this is exactly what this whole community is about. I know the podcast is about the F-14, but in the end, it's that extreme sense of, well, Jocko said extreme ownership, but that ability to debrief and take on your mistakes and improve that yeah. really is, um, really is impressive. And something else that you guys had mentioned several times, you know, Sean, you had mentioned how much the the Rio really saves your bacon, saves your lives. I believe is what you had said. Absolutely. And, and in the in the aviation in the airline industry, part one twenty one world, you know, we talk about pilot flying and pilot monitoring. And if you look at that threat and error management model that Ponch referred to, you know, you'll hear you know that pilot monitoring. You know, for those who don't know airline world, the pilot flying is the guy who's got the stick in the rudder, and the pilot monitoring is the other one. He's moving the gear handle, the flap handle, making all the radio calls. But most importantly, taking in the big picture. And according to safety statistics I've heard, that pilot monitoring catches or traps 60 to 70% of the errors. It's yeah, the, the, I, the numbers I've heard. And in your in the world of the Tomcat demo, that's the the Rio is the pilot monitoring. So the Rio is the one catching 60 to 70% of the errors, which is absolutely amazing. And and it it probably is a, a testament to how good the Tomcat demo always was. You know, you compare it, there are some great demo teams out there, 100%, but the Tomcat demo was always amazing. And it's probably because you got the two people in there and you're able to, I don't want to say push it, but push it just a little yeah. bit because you've got an extra layer, an extra... 
uh, error management, uh, you know, threat management right. in there with yeah. having that pilot so monitoring. There's an extra yeah. filter. Man, yeah. We, yeah. yeah we, there's so many things in there. The mutual support, the hive mind that goes into it, the task interdependence inside the aircraft. But in the demo, you, you know, when I'm looking out at the wings to see if the slats are moving, that's an important call because mm. uh, he needs to know that. Uh, if the flaps are moving, if the wings are moving, those things need to be called out because, you know, you get uh, different systems that record off of different parts of the aircraft. I need to be looking at the opposite air, uh, you know, opposite wing to say, yeah, I see it rolling out there. Yeah. Uh, calling out air speeds and things like that are important, but it's not what you're saying. It's how you say it too. The, the um, intonation of your voice, uh, the, you know, you don't want to get too excited. You want to be a, a bitch and <laughs> Betty in there, but it, it's just giving them calls and, and okay. Kind of being a psychologist is, is the way I look at it. Yeah. Well, you uh, were, so you were, you, you like pon- flying with punch was so easy because he could read me. And, and he knew when he needed to say something and when he didn't. And he knew whether it needed to be funny or not, too. You know, so like if, if things were, you know, if I was off my game a little bit, you know, Ponch would come with some witty little uh, little dart at me and make me laugh. And then things were better, you know, and he knew not to say something if I had it suitcased. If I was on a maneuver and, yeah. he, and he was he was comfortable and everything looked right, he just wouldn't say anything. And I knew I knew things were OK. Yeah. Um, but if I heard him, I knew something was off. And we, we had yeah. that kind of crew coordination. It was so easy flying with him. And I flew with Disco just a little bit. Um, but, you know, he's he's just as talented. And I know that he and Stick had the same kind of crew coordination going on, you know, in their plane. But, you know, Crunch, one of the interesting things as we talk here about, you know, owning up to errors and, and recognizing them, it's what scares me is when I meet the people who who don't think they make errors or think they have had the per- the perfect mm. flight. Those are the people I don't really like flying with because they're, you know, if you're not constantly criticizing yourself to make yourself better, um, you've, you've reached a point where you need to completely recage, um, especially in a business that's as unforgiving as aviation, where, you know, yeah. you can't just pull over and stop the car. You know, somebody's got to land like a guy that has no air, you know, experience at all down in Fort Lauderdale after his pilot becomes inca- incapacitated. I mean, that's an amazing story to me. Yeah. Um, how the FAA controllers talked that guy um, into landing a plane and he'd never flown an airplane before in his life and he safely landed it. Yeah. That's amazing. It, to me. Yeah. It, absolutely amazing. And you see that video, you're like, he did a dang good job. <laughs> That's right. That guy <laughs> needs to go to, fl- go to Navy flight school right now. <laughs> That's but, right. You know, I, I'm I'm 100% on board. Um, you know, we'd get into these air wings with single seat Hornet squadrons and being a two seat squadron, that air wing you know, they would try to pick on our, our backseaters and boy, man, we would, uh, we would go to bat and, uh, start, uh, biting their faces off because, you know, the whole thing about, Oh, I'd rather have extra gas, uh, total BS. Um, mm-hmm. the missions that we did in Afghanistan and Iraq being a fac a, I was a fac a and an RMC. I could yep. not have done that without a crew member with me, without a crewmate. And, um, that's right. The Rios and the, the Wizzos, in the Navy are worth their weight in gold. I mean, yeah. it, it, it pains me to see the F-35 be single seat, mm. um, even with all the automation and the upgraded systems, because I know how uh, fortunate I was to always have uh, a second crewmate. And I flew single seat. I have a thousand hours single seat there um, in the, the Hornet. But um, I'll tell you, the, the, the amount of times that the mistakes were minimalized and contained because I had somebody with me um, just made me feel I slept better at night and I know my wife slept better at night and, uh, you know, having a crewmate mm-hmm. with me. So yeah. it's yeah. a huge, well, I appreciate that Sean. And so do, do all the Wizzos and Rios out there. And I know many people are going to go see the movie Top Gun Maverick here soon. And I think that's going to speak volumes to this, but I, yeah. I do want to point out one thing. There are so many 
single seat S16, F15, F18 guys selling teamwork to folks. But you got to look across the spectrum at the two-seat aircraft where you have two or more people who work interdependently, adaptively, dynamically toward a shared value goal. That's absolute teamwork. That's actually where we get the science of teamwork from is from the cockpits of these dual-seated aircraft, the Grumman Grumman aircraft. Uh, So uh, that's something that we'll never experience again in the future. The the F community is... uh, is probably the last bastion of that. And uh, I hope they can continue doing what we've done and, and what our F4 brothers and, and sisters have done in the past and, and same with the A6 community. Yeah, uh, that's great. Right. But hey, I do want to, I want to throw something at you. There's a big difference between a demo team in the Navy and one in the Air Force. Mm, right? Talk us through that. Okay, so Topeka, Kansas, Sean. Uh, <laughs> we got out to Topeka from the USS Carl Vinson. And I'm going to back oh, up a little bit. Uh, so yes. uh, we're, we're down at Fort, uh, Fort Lauderdale flying the air show. Great air show. Great time. Amazing times going on down there. Uh, believe me, I'll do a quick uh, Trump impersonation. Best show ever. Trust me. Um, it's the it best. It was. Time. And Ponch was famous. <laughs> Ponch was on ESPN. Yeah. But <laughs> we, uh, we need back, to call- uh, look back camera on Ponch during our demo. Yeah. And uh, they're playing it on ESPN live. Yeah, uh, it was, I think it was awesome. recorded footage, but they were playing it live. Yeah, so I've been on ESPN, but somebody here has been on Ballers. Who is that's that? true? That's right. <laughs> that's right. With Steph Curry, Steph Curry, right. great American. Love love him and his wife. They're fantastic people. For all those, my kids idolize him, and I love that because he's such a quality individual. All right, sorry. It's so cool seeing you on that, man. That's another thing. Ballers, watch <laughs> Ballers. Check out Sean on Ballers. It's awesome. Years ago, but anyway, Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I think we fly through the Friday and, and Saturday show. Uh, we got a call Saturday evening from the uh, skipper or the opso. Hey, we need an aircraft out in uh, San Diego. Uh, Ponch, you need to go take a student out to the carrier. One of our instructors is down. Get out there Sunday. By the way, take the better of the two jets. Yeah. So, so you know, tell Disco and um, Stick the good news. Hey, you're flying the bad jet tomorrow. We're taking the good one across country. Uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks, right? So a uh, lot of comedy happening, happening as we flew across the country, uh, particularly in Texas, I believe. Uh, we stopped to get some gas, did a combat uh, planning session with our gear on uh, while all these T-34 students are around us, you know, doing all their navigation work. Sean and I run through there, get the gas, take our little fingers out and go, that looks about right. No, the uh, U.S. government pens, the black right. pens, 150 <laughs> miles. Okay, That's we can right. do four of these pens. They're watching us in horror, the instructors. <laughs> yeah. Run back out of the jet, get to San Diego, um, get everything prepped up to go to the boat. Uh, Sean, uh, Brings his speedos out there. I think he spent time on the beach while I went out to the, to the carrier. Banana so hammocks. He, yeah, he had his uh, time on the beach while I'm out doing work. Uh, anyway, take the student out there, get uh, some good work done. The student is now a DCAG, a great American. Uh, get him called up. I'm out there cold. Uh, you know, haven't flown with him in the pattern much. Uh, gets qualified. Crash Mouse is the OIC of the debt. Uh, he's the, you know, paddles out there. And I turn to him and I say, hey, Love to get this aircraft out of here Thursday night so we can hit the uh, Friday demo practice at uh, Topeka, Kansas. And, and Crash is a, a demo guy. So he's like, oh, that doesn't sound smart to me, Ponch. And I said, okay, <laughs> well, why don't we get the student's bags ready? Um, I'll have a conversation with him. If it's ready to go, shoot us off the pointy, pointy end. And if you don't do that, we're going to miss the demo for the weekend, right? You know, you're, you're a demo guy. You got to pick between the two. And he said, well, I, I want to fly off the carrier. And I said, okay, so for you to fly off the carrier, um, we're going to miss a demo. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So, we, you know, uh, smart move, got a shot off the boat, uh, wake up the next morning pretty early, fly off the shore, get to Topeka, Kansas, do a demo. And uh, 
recall that the F-14 we were flying in is been on a carrier for the last four or five nights. It's 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 dirty. It's nasty, right? Greasy There's hand greasy prints. handprints all over it. <laughs> yeah, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's nasty. We get our stuff out of the turtle back, clean up the aircraft, gas up, try to do a quick demo, uh, practice, um, and land. And there's the media and the media comes up and they're like, Hey, what, why is your aircraft so dirty? And they look over the F-16s and their pressed flight suits and, you know, their, their, their Maserati that they drove in and all this other stuff, you know, the golf carts that move them 10 feet from aircraft to aircraft. And they look at us Navy guys and are like, what's going on? And I said, well, it's, it's really simple. We work for a living. So last night I was on the USS Carl Vinson with a student getting him carrier qualified. Ask them what they were doing last night, right? So there's a big difference between a demo, uh, a Navy demo team, and an Air Force demo team. We're actually working. This is not our job to fly airships. It's a collateral like, duty. Is, yeah, yeah, it's a collateral duty. And when you think about it, at that time of our lives, you know, we were deploying in our at-sea tours, our squadron tours. And then as a FRS instructor, when you're flying the demo, we were actually gone 250-plus days out of the year, right, with the detachments and everything we're doing, going to the boat, flying air shows. We were gone a lot, but, uh, you know, some of us loved it. It, it was great to be on the road, uh, getting out there and engaging with folks. But some of these memories are just insane. Uh, when you, when you go from air show to air show and see things, meet Americans, uh, it, it's, it was just a fantastic, uh, quality of life. You remember the tornadoes had gone through Topeka like two nights before we weren't sure yeah. if that, that show was even going to happen. Uh, they'd gotten ravaged by these thunderstorms. But, uh, I, I also remember taking my nephew, uh, who was two years old at the time, and we got a lot of pictures with the uh, Kansas City cheerleaders, um, Chiefs cheerleaders, which was awesome. So yeah. <laughs> good memories. <laughs> so I wasn't uh, going to bring that part up. But, you know, <laughs> hey. It's all for right. him, not for me. <laughs> well, all right. For so here, I got a couple of uh, one-liners that you guys gave to us ahead of time. I'm just going to do these as thought provokers. Watch the Sears Tower. What's that about? Chicago. <laughs> well, is it going to move? No. <laughs> Would you almost hit it? You know, you know uh, Crunch, the, um, the ironic thing about this is that is now my company's headquarters is Willis Tower. Oh, right. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Yeah, but, uh, yeah that was uh, the Chicago show. What a, what a mm -hmm. fun show that was. Rudy Malnati, one of the, uh, what a great American. Uh, he ran the show. Um, he also owns Pizzano's uh, Pizza in uh, right. Italian restaurant. Uh, Rudy, such a amazing um, proponent. Just a um, he, he just loves the military, man. He just he he's great to work with. Um, he's an awesome guy. But Punch and I, when we did that show, you know, as as we talked earlier, Crunch, one of the things we would would brief before these shows was, hey, you know, what's gonna what's gonna be in our run-in lines where we normally do our maneuvers. Um, and, and I forgot, uh, that there, there is stuff that goes on behind the crowd too, as we reset, like for the sneak pass. And as we come off our normal maneuver and I'd start pulling, uh, there's a, a building in our face and that's, you know, punch, Hey, watch the Sears tower. <laughs> <laughs> that's not normally there in normal air show sites. <laughs> awesome. All right. Here's the next one. Look, a baseball game. They're watching us. <laughs> Same show, repositioned right over Wrigley. <laughs> That's right. That was uh, it was Wrigley, wasn't it? Yeah, it's right below us. All our repositions were right there. It was insane. By the way, Stick and Disco were at the game. They were not near. <laughs> <laughs> so they're at the baseball game. Right? Like, oh, there's Ponch and Shorn. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> You're out of position. <laughs> oh, all right. This one's probably easy. I don't even know if you need a story on this one. This is the dumbest thing ever. Night show spirals over a dark ocean and murder. Was that oh, the gosh. Twilight show? No, it was different show. Night, the night, night show. show. Yeah. yeah. So we actually we actually did a, a night demo. We stayed pretty high though, didn't we, Ponch? Was it yeah, fifteen hundred or thousand or something? It was uncomfortable. It was still uncomfortable, but um, we did some of the maneuvers, and then it was just a lot of afterburner crunch, a lot of uh, yeah. you know, hey, look, there's two things on fire, you know, coming out of the back end of the plane, and it looks you know, really, really cool though. You just. Yeah. <laughs> You but know. It, it is. It is. I think Ponch is the one that said that quote because as we're out there pulling G in pitch blackness, yeah. uh, and accelerating and you know diving towards the ground at night, and we're not on night vision goggles, so you know you're just looking outside, and it's a, it's an instrument air show. It's like doing you know we yeah. practice that as students in Navy flight school because I, I did a T forty five tour post command, which was awesome down in Meridian, which is my uh, my old stomping grounds, but. Um, the students down there, we put them under, you know, they, they go under the bag and they do a squirrel cage on mm-hmm. their instruments. Right. And we used to do it in the A4 and um, it's uh, I was like, well, I guess I was going to use that training at some point in my career. I never thought I would. Yeah. <laughs> a squirrel yeah. cage in the complete darkness. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> but it was dumb. <laughs> there it is. Yep. Um, all right. So a few other things that we had talked about. You guys had put together a whole bunch of different ideas for us ahead of time as we we're getting ready for this. And one of the thoughts we had had was, uh, you know, just talking about times that shows went completely sideways and yeah. didn't work out. You've I'll already you, talked. I gave you a good example of that one. Yeah, yeah. Muskegon, right? And that, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, and that's probably that's probably good enough. Uh, but it looks like you got a, something else in here. Something about uh, which is this one? Your last flight. Was that was uh, Muskegon well, your last flight? It wasn't your last no, one. No, my last flight was Oceana, and that one didn't go sideways at all. Actually, that was yeah, probably well. That, really... de- that depends who you ask here. <laughs> Let's ask Allison. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was there, the by the way. I was I was sitting on the flight line for that one. Yeah, great that way was to get somebody to marry you. <laughs> one of the one of the coolest uh, flights I've had a, a a chance to be a part of. That was awesome. And Ponch, you know, all the credit to Ponch. He asked me if it was okay. Cause he knew it was my last flight and I'm like, of course yeah. it is, man. I think that's amazing. That's awesome. So Poch, go ahead, man. The floor is yours. Yeah. yeah. So in Cleveland, I had this horrible idea or great idea to, it's when we met Senator Glenn and all that, we were up there, um, had an idea, uh, you know, I fell in love. I was like, okay, this, this is the right person. And, uh, I asked, uh, the cookie lady, um, what's your name? Denise. Denise. Denise yeah. Denise. And yeah. I, I, I asked, I asked her for all the air show performers. Yeah. We call her the cookie lady. Um, she, I asked her, has anybody ever done a proposal during an air show? She's like, well, people have done it on behalf of others. So I, I got this idea that we would do it at the Oceania Air Show. My parents were coming out here. Everything was set. You know, I, I asked her, her father for permission. I asked Sean for permission too. Thank you, Sean. <laughs> I, I said, Ponch, you are, <laughs> you are, it's yeah. okay. You can get married. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. <laughs> so we set this all up with the air show. Um, we were going to be shut down show center. Shorn's last flight, and that's what it was about. You know, hey, Shorn's flying the Tomcat demo, and the next day he's going off to the Blue Angels. Pretty cool. Uh, but we also set up a, a moment where I would propose to Allison while we're uh, at the top of a, our, our double emblem in there, and where we go live to the crowd. And we came down, pulled the ring out of my um, flight suit. Uh, of course, she said yes. She had to say yes. I mean, yeah. that's that's the beauty of doing. There was a million like people that. watching, of course. She has no choice but to say yes. So, yay me. But uh, the, the human factors involved in that week, you know, Sean's last flight, 
my, my parents were not coming now because my dad came down with West Nile. Um, I'm about to propose to my, my fiance or my, my girlfriend, uh, my now wife, Sean's, you know, all these things. And, and I think our brief was uh, pretty simple. It was, you know, of course we talked about it the week before and all that, but in, in, up at the, uh, in the ready room, cause we were at Oceana, we just really sat down and said, Hey man, this, this is a big one. Um, we really got to, you know, monitor our stuff today, get compartmentalized, focus on this. We can only screw this thing up. I mean, that, that was it. Let's, you know, let's just do the best we can. And, and, uh, I think it was one of our better shows. It was great. Um, there's pictures, there's, there's so many amazing moments from that particular air show. So yeah, I got to share it with uh, Sean and I appreciate him uh, saying yes. Thank you, Sean. Um, well, I didn't say was, yes. You didn't propose to me. I know. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty pretty powerful moment. Uh, yeah. it was yeah. great, it, and it was it was pretty cool because you do that yeah. thing where uh, basically you you make a radio call and it's broadcast over the speakers to the whole crowd on the flight line, and yeah. you're far enough away that it's, they can actually hear you, and that's when you yeah. did it, and it, it was very cool. So good. Yeah, on, it was um, when we set up for the the sneak the high speed pass. Oh, is yep. that when it was? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So we're setting up for the high speed pass and, and uh, Ponch talks to the crowd. And that's when he said, you know, there's one special lady out there, you know, Allison, will you marry me? And as we're, we're coming in now, at, you know, 200 feet at 500 knots. And he goes, boy, I hope she says yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I'm out of here. Command eject forward. <laughs> but it was, uh, it, it couldn't have been a better last flight. I mean, I, I was, um, I was on cloud nine. I, it, it was one of those out of body experiences before we even flew. Cause I just couldn't believe it was going to be my last Tomcat flight. I just, you know. I, I was a Tomcat guy through and through. I'd flown 1,500 hours, six and a half, seven years at that point. I never thought I'd leave. You know, you just yeah. don't think about it. And um, it was going to be my last demo. It was going to be my last Tomcat flight. And then I think Ponch asking me to do that recaged me to, to okay, back down to earth here. This is a, this is a normal flight. Um, and, and we sat in the brief and said, hey, this is ours to screw up. You know, this, we're, we're at the top of our game. We've been doing it all season. But it was uh, it was awesome. It was it was just a great flight. And Disco and and Dem, uh, Desco was there. Um, Stick was there, and they you know they came out. Everybody came out, and we I, we got some pictures. The four of us demo team as I was getting ready to move in PCS out of uh, Oceana. But yeah, it's a bittersweet. It was a bittersweet flight because you know I've I've never gotten in a Tomcat again. I've seen plenty of them in museums, but uh, never actually gotten to get in another one. Yeah, I'm glad I was your last, Sean. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Me too. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, all right, fellas, this has been excellent. This is exactly what I was hoping to talk about today. Did uh, Is there anything you guys want to bring up before we kind of talk about what you're doing now? Anything we missed? Any good stories you got you think you want to? I think there's hundreds, but uh, yeah. uh, this is awesome. Yeah. I, mean, we can... yeah. I think the, the question that I get the most from anybody is, what did you like flying better, the Tomcat or the Hornet? Oh. Because to this day on my United lanyard, I wear a Tomcat pin and a Hornet pin with my Navy wings. On it's on my lanyard, um, and you know when you go into a brief with people, they're like, "Oh, Navy guy," you know, and and right away they're like, "Oh, Tomcats and Hornets." Wow, I've never I've met a Tomcat guy. I'm like, "Yeah, we're still walking around." Yeah. But um, you know, which one do you like flying? And I, I kind of equated it to because I, I had the the um, the good fortune of flying every model of the F14 and the F18. I flew um, A B D F14, and I flew A B C D E F uh, yep. in the the Hornet. And, um, it, it's, it, I equate it to flying the Tomcat is like getting in a 65 Chevy big block, you know, Corvette and it's loose. It's got a ton of power. 
It's fun to drive, easy to lose control of. I'm like flying a Hornet's like getting in a 370Z. Everything's tight, you know, and it's fast. It just doesn't feel like a Tomcat though. And yeah. uh, I, I prefer the Tomcat any day, especially the D. Um, just that, that, that was a beast of a machine. It had so much capability. Um, definitely miss it. Awesome. Very cool. So what are you guys doing now, Punch? What do you, uh, you ta- you've kind of alluded to it. Tell me about, uh, what you guys, what you're up to these days. Uh, well, so, uh, taking a lot of lessons from the cockpits, uh, the flight deck, uh, married them up with complexity theory, uh, understanding of flow, cognitive science, and help create what is known as the flow system. So it's growing in popularity. Uh, it's really how organizations can create agility, innovation, uh, develop resilience, and of course, safety. Um, and that's what a lot of organizations need today. So uh, my my big thing is I can take any fighter, aviator, particularly uh, F-14 folks, and turn them into top 10% coaches in the world within a week. Yeah. Uh, and that's just because of our, our backgrounds and, and a lot of things we covered today. So um, that's uh, what I've been doing. Do a lot of keynotes, uh, do a lot of podcasts. In fact, the next podcast is for a uh, uh, medical system on lean and actually flow and the OODA loop, Observe, Orient, Decide, Act. Nice. Um, got, have three books out there. Got a fourth one underway. Uh, doing a little bit of work on a movie called No Fallen Heroes. Right now, we have 22 veterans taking their lives each day, 17 to 22. We have the horrible things that happened on the GW here in, in Norfolk. Uh, eight sailors have, have either killed themselves or, been, or died in the last year aboard that ship. Uh, we've got a, we've got a crisis here on our hands that we need to solve, and that's what Shorn's doing in, in the Navy Reserve as well. Is we're really trying to tackle that. Uh, within the DOD, uh, working with Defense Innovation Unit. I brought that up, accelerating commercial technology into the uh, DOD, into the warfighters' war hands. But uh, I tell you, uh, everything you and I, our community knows about teamwork, leadership, it scales. It scales across everything we do. And we don't always have to push the flag on people or, or really push the, our backgrounds, but just talk to talk and, and talk about what it's like to be on a high-performing team, what it's like to achieve yeah some type of flow. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Cool. And, uh, Sean, how about you? What are you up to these days? Yeah. So I'm, uh, just recently, um, I was actually over in Africa doing an exercise for uh, six fleet over in Cotonou Benin, which, uh, was, was amazing, amazing place. Um, and I got back to the hotel from dinner and my phone rang and it said, um, it was a 703 number and it said Pentagon. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know anybody at the Pentagon. And it was Vice Admiral John Mustin, who is the Chief of the Navy Reserve, and congratulated me and said, "Hey, the list is going to come out. Wanted to let you know you're you're nominated for uh, for Rear Admiral." Um, it was amazing phone call. Uh, you know, I've I've been kind of chugging away here in the reserves. I'm in year twenty, completing year twenty eight in September, um, and I've just been very fortunate with my commands and all the folks that I've gotten to work with in the, the reserve. I've gotten to uh, command a NATO unit. I've gotten to command a Six Fleet unit doing West Africa work. And now I'm the uh, program commander for the Navy Emergency Preparedness Liaison Officers, who the all, all of the branches of services have, um, they call them EPLOs. So the Air Force and the Army call them EPLOs, the Marine call, uh, they call them MEPLOs. But anytime FEMA or any government agency goes in for a crisis, it could be a natural disaster, it could be um, the Super Bowl, it could be the inauguration, anything when they request DOD support, um, my folks go in as liaisons and they make sure that that uh, the Title Ten forces are doing the things that they're allowed to be doing by law. Um, you know, we can't use DOD personnel for law enforcement, but the Guard personnel and the Coast Guard can do that. Um, yep. Things like that. So my guys are qualified. I have 102.06s right now. Um, 
Yeah. It's That's like, five, what's that? 5% yeah. of the 06s in the Navy. <laughs> 30% of the reserve of 06s. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it is crazy. But um, they're all, but these are, these guys are all amazing and guys and girls, they're amazing. These are all post command. These are, they're rock stars. The folks that I get to work with, um, my deputy, Scott Wright, he's, he's at another level. He's a nuke swo, which I'm like, man, having a, a nuke swo as a deputy is the way to go. These guys, these guys are unbelievable. Um, they're, they're just so talented, but, uh, I'm very fortunate. You know, a, a lot of my career has been made by those around me and, um, and, you know, I've just been fortunate enough to be part of those teams. And so now I'm, I'm kind of waiting to hear if Senate confirmation happens and what my next job will be. But from what I understand, there is no bad job uh, yep. that I can get. So, um, I'm excited no matter where it is and, and what I get to do. And, you know, my wife's uh, been super supportive. I don't know if, if uh, Punch, you, I don't know if you remember Lona. Um, my, my wife's a, a VF211 Rio, so she was a backseater. That's why I have to say all these good things about Rios, so I can keep that happy wife, happy life, right? But uh, no, she doesn't get to hear all those. I'm usually kind of poking jokes at her, like uh, calling her trunk monkey and things like that. <laughs> but, uh, but no, she's... Uh, <laughs> not, not advised. <laughs> no, no, she's a, she's a great sport and she's a great support and uh, and we're just excited. She's been um, nothing nothing but uh, but happy and so now she's getting to go through some of this flag officer training with me and yeah. uh, you know having a wife that's deployed and and worn the uniform is kind of interesting. You know around some of these these wives that have been ombudsmen and things like yeah. that. So it's interesting for her, but um, just happy to to keep serving and uh, to work with with all the, the great folks that are, that are serving right now. And it's awesome to get back together with, with you and Ponch and, yeah. you know, reminisce on old times here in the Tomcat community. That's awesome. And you're also, also an airline pilot from time yeah. to time. And uh, yeah. something that a key, we were talking about all these names here, all the people that you named in the demo team that are airline pilots all fly for United. Can I just point that out? Mm-hmm. Am I, well, am I right? Stick is a Southwest guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm wrong. Southwest guy, but you're right. But demo, demos at United, roll is at United. Um, Disco. Uh, Disco's at United. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's, just keyed in my mind. I'm like, hey, how about it, it's, that? That's right. true. It what are you is, flying, uh, by the way, there? What are you flying? I'm United? seven. Uh, seven, five, six is one fleet that I fly the seven, six typically. I'm going to uh, Madrid tonight. Oh, well, good luck. Enjoy. Yeah, I just got it. That was that call right before uh, we started this. Uh, hey, can you fly to Madrid tonight? Because <laughs> I, to, I was supposed to go to Dublin late, but the Madrid flight's earlier and I'm local. Yeah. So Yeah, flying out of Dulles, I take it. Yep, right out of All Dulles. Right. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, this has been uh, a great conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. It's a Friday morning today. It's beautiful for once out here in Virginia for the last week. Um, I really appreciate it. This has been a great conversation. I really like the, the fact that we were able to talk to, to you guys about the, you know, that demo. I, everybody has seen demos. How many of our listeners were like, oh my God, I will never forget the Tomcat demo. Matter of fact, many of our listeners are going to be like, I have seen those guys. I've seen you perform. I was at the Topeka show, whatever it is. There's going to be people who, who think of that. So I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for joining us. And for everybody who's out there listening, thanks once again for joining us on the F-14 Tomcast. Uh, we got episodes every two weeks. Tune in for the next one. See you soon. Gentlemen, thanks for coming. Ponch, Shorn, any last words? No. Awesome. Tomcats forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. All right, gents. Thanks much. Thank you. Thanks, Crunch.
You've been listening to the F-14 TomCast, part of the Air Combat Experience, brought to you by BVR Productions. Got a question for the show? Send an email to questions at F14TomCast.com or leave a message on our listener line at 877-MACH-101, extension 3. That's 877-622-4101, extension 3. For updates on this podcast and our other military aviation-themed shows, visit BVRPro.com and follow the Air Combat Experience on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.